the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining us. This is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host. And today, as we discuss navigating an ever-changing culture, <laughs> we are going to talk about truth. Uh, truth has become a topic in our culture as things change, as people pursue their own will and their own direction. Truth has been something that has been absolutely trampled on. You hear phrases like, this is my truth, or they're living their truth, or they're finding their truth. We have made truth about us, what we feel, what we want, what we think. But we have to understand that truth is not something that we get to decide truth is. In fact, as Christians, we would go to the Bible and say that when Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, that was a statement that is absolute. There is truth. And if we're going to live our lives in line with our created purpose, then we need to align to that truth. Well, what does that mean? It means we need to view the world from a biblical perspective. We need to have a biblical world view. And this is something we talk about, something not often defined. But with understanding truth and understanding a biblical worldview, we can then stand up and use the voices that God has given to us to, if not change, certainly impact the culture in which we live. Such an absolutely critical conversation and uh, one that I'm very, very grateful to have been able to have today with uh, Dr. Jeff Myers. Jeff is the president of Summit Ministries. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but Jeff has written a new book talking about truth and talking about how Christians can speak the truth and really make a difference in the world in which we live. So grateful to have this conversation with my guest, Dr. Jeff Myers. My guest today is Dr. Jeff Myers. Jeff is the president of Summit Ministries, a Colorado-based nonprofit organization that equips and supports the rising generation to embrace God's truth and champion a biblical worldview, also an author, speaker, so many other things. Uh, Dr. Myers, thank you so much for being with us. Really, really appreciate it. Jeremy, I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, why don't we start off with, with this? Maybe give us your background and how you got into what you're doing now, and then I'd love for you to talk about Summit Ministries a little bit, and then we'll get into a discussion about truth. All of these are such important things to talk about, but uh, give us your background a little bit. Kind of a big turning point in my life was coming to a Summit Ministries program when I was just graduating high school. I was one of those kids who grew up in the church, but had come to believe that the church didn't have answers to life's ultimate questions. Uh. So I decided I would leave high school and leave church at the same time. When my parents arranged for me to attend a Summit Ministries program here in the little town of Manitou Springs, Colorado, wow. a little hippie town right at the foot of Pikes Peak, yeah. I met the director of the program and I said, I hope you have a lot of answers because I have a <laughs> lot of questions. And, and uh, he did not 
uh, it was arrogant. I looked looking back at it, but he didn't take offense. Instead, he said at summit, we aren't afraid of questions. Yeah. That's what I needed to hear. I needed to have a tribe of people who weren't going to flinch when they looked at the big challenges our society faces and to look at them from a biblical viewpoint. That changed everything for me. I went on from there to become a college professor, start several different businesses and a nonprofit organization that focused on mentoring training all over the world. And then 10 years ago, had the privilege to come and lead the team here at Summit Ministries to take it into a whole new season. That's awesome. For those that aren't familiar with Summit, uh, give us the the thumbnail or kind of the elevator pitch of what, uh, and I know it's a very broad ministry. You guys are involved in a lot of stuff, but um, what are you focused on? I I gave this pitch once and one of my friends said, that must be a really long elevator. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long ride, big building. (laughs) Well, we equip and support the rising generation to embrace God's truth and champion a biblical worldview. We do that through two-week-long intensives we host here in Colorado and in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, that bring together young adults, 16 to 22, who are on their way to a college or university with today's top Christian thought leaders in apologetics, economics, philosophy, and all the other areas where they might experience challenges when they go off to their higher education. The program is branched out from there so that we now have programs for Christian schools and homeschools and churches and even what we call Powered by Summit, which means we we have a, a, a sort of a program in a suitcase. We mm. can bring our Summit Ministries program to any group anywhere in the world of any size of any age. We've had summits for grandparents. We've had summits for military academy cadets. We've had summits for Christian contemporary music artists, and you name it. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. That's unbelievable. I, um, I've always, I guess I shouldn't say always, but for most of my life, I've cared about a biblical worldview and, and pursuing God. I was raised in a Christian home, and I'm, I'm very thankful for the influence of my parents um, but it's interesting when you have your own kids who are college age. Now I have two young adult kids. Um, I, I was thinking about this this morning. My wife and I were sitting on the couch, you know, talking about our kids and they're going through some stuff. One is 22 and one is 21. And they're at that stage where things are happening. And, you know, we're new to this too. So we don't have any idea how to help them all the time. But um, I was really struck with the, I hope that we have invested in them what they need to see the world through a biblical lens, to understand what comes next. And uh, I'm sure when you asked the question or made the statement, I hope you had a lot of answers, the world was a different place than it is now. And kids now are dealing with things that I I never thought our kids would have to deal with. 
um, which is why I appreciate what you guys do so much. Can, can you talk about fundamentally, baseline, what is a biblical worldview? When we're talking about this, and I want to talk about truth and what that means, but we throw around words like biblical worldview or phrases like that. What do we mean when we say that? Well, probably there are as many different meanings as the people who use the term, unfortunately, mm. because a lot of people think if you can find a Bible verse to support your particular viewpoint, right, sure, then that's sure. evidence, you know, that's then you can sort of claim the high high ground yeah. there. That's not what we're talking about here. The key word is pattern. An, a worldview is a pattern of ideas, mm. and subsequently about the beliefs that are formed from our ideas and the convictions that are formed from our beliefs and the habits that are formed from those convictions. And and what we teach at Summit Ministries is there are different worldviews operating in the world today, a Marxist worldview, a postmodern worldview, a secular worldview, Muslim worldview, secular worldview. But there is also a Christian worldview. There have been Christian thinkers in history who have invested a great deal of time and energy and practice showing that when you take a biblical view of the world, you look at Scripture as your pattern for everything, theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology, sociology, law, politics, economics, history, that you will realize this worldview brings flourishing and blessing it has for 2,000 years, and it continues to do so today. And it will continue to do so in the future, but only if people who believe in Jesus will step up and say, you know, I'm a Jesus follower, and that needs to shape everything that I do and think about. There's an entire new economy being created right now, filled with patriotic companies that have had enough of cancel culture and the left. One, you can support every day, and all you have to do is get dressed. I'm talking about under-tack boxers. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made, probably because they have literally been tested by special forces operators. They're made with high quality material that's antimicrobial, anti-pilling, and moisture wicking, so you stay fresh and dry all day long. They come with a sturdy yet comfortable waistband that doesn't crack or loosen. Undertack is durable, ultralight, and shrink resistant. Here's the best part. They're almost 30% less than the woke designer brands with the non-binary models. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com. Right now, when you buy three, get one free, but only with the offer code SITREP20. SITREP20. Support a great American company that's pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. GetUndertack.com. That's GetUndertack.com. Offer code SITREP20. Yeah, man, that's great. Um, your, your new book, Truth Changes Everything, How People of Faith Can Transform the World in Times of Crisis. Um, I, I love even the title, Truth Changes Everything. Let's talk about truth for a minute. When when yeah. we look at you know our culture, certainly right now, I mean right now, um, truth is whatever you want it to be. We use phrases like "speak your own truth." This is my truth. Uh, that's their truth. That very naturally leads us to things like "my truth is today I'm this gender and tomorrow I'm that gender." And we could talk about this in so many different ways because truth is not absolute. So. Before we can talk about how truth changes everything, can you define truth for us? What what is meant by truth? Because that's very basic, but we've missed it somewhere. A good starting place is John 8, 32, where Jesus said, if you pay attention to my teachings, you will know the truth, Mm. and the truth will set you free. 
a lot of things we feel that we need to be free from today, and a lot of our confusions in society back up into the discussion of truth. Uh, but but Jesus, using the word truth there, was using a specific Greek word, uh, aletheia, which means reality. So Jesus wasn't saying, if you follow my teachings, you will know your truth, right. or you'll feel right. better about yourself, or you will have more capacity, you will have more wealth or success. He was saying, you will know reality. You know, years ago, the psychiatrist M. Scott Pack said mental health is the ability to grapple with reality as it really is. Mm. And that's what truth is. Truth means reality as it really is. And today, a lot of people believe that, well, since we can't access that exhaustively, therefore, maybe we can't access it at all. And we don't ever have truth, capital T. All we have are truths, small yeah. t. I have my truth. You have your truth. 58% yeah. of Americans now say they believe the truth is up to the individual. 91% of Americans huh. say they believe the best place to find yourself is by looking inside yourself. Yeah. Wow. Um, so the source of truth, then, the big T truth is... You know, as Christians, we would say it's God. It is the, you know, the initiator truth. He is truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. How do we deal with a culture that doesn't agree with that premise? It, it, again, it's very hard as, you know, my my daughter goes to a secular college and and she's doing fine. But as a Christian, dealing with people who don't view truth as absolute, how do we address that? Well, in history, Christian church fathers said that there are really two books, that God has given us two books. One book is the book of Scripture, but the other one is the book of nature. Mm. Some people call this general revelation and special revelation. Other, I, I like to sometimes think of it as just revelation and reason. There are yeah. some things we can reason our way to. For instance, we have scientific truth. If if I if I were to say make the claim that water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, that's a claim we could test. Now we could test it, and we might find that my assertion is wrong. But it would be unreasonable to say, "Well, you just you keep your opinions to yourself, right?" That doesn't. Yeah. That's not. That's not a reasonable response right. <laughs> to that claim. Historical claims also can known be known to be fact to represent truth. If I said uh, Martin Luther King was shot on April 4th, 1968, it would not be a reasonable response for someone to say, well, maybe that's true in your culture, but in my culture, it wasn't yeah. that way. Uh, yeah. That is a historical fact. Here's the thing, Jeremy, a lot of people get tied up on this. They say, okay, sure. I understand that there are historical facts. I understand there are scientific facts, but I'm talking about moral issues. Right. Well, aren't there moral facts? Let me give you two statements and see if you can discern the difference between hmm. these two statements. Statement A, it is good to care for abandoned puppies. And statement B, it is good to torture abandoned puppies. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, there might be disagreement about those two statements, but no one would say those two statements are identical or whichever one is true for you is what is true for you. They would say, no, we have an obligation to care for the defenseless, and certainly not to complicate or add pain to their existence. Yep. So there are moral facts as well. Once we recognize that truth extends beyond just the scientific and the historical, then we've got to begin grappling with, 
How do we know that these moral truths exist? Is there mm. any evidence that they really do exist? And then uh, how do we apply that to our own lives? So the goal is not to speak our truth. The goal is to seek the truth. Yeah. I, I feel like over, I, I don't know what the period of time would be, but it wasn't that long ago that moral truth, as you just illustrated, was something that even people who maybe they believed in God in a you know, in a sense that there probably is a God. He's not a personal God. Um, I can't know him. I don't feel accountable to him, but there's a God out there somewhere. But they would hold to moral truth and say, there are some moral absolutes, some things that we shouldn't do, some things that we should do. Just it's good for society. It's good for our homes. But we've moved so far away from even that, where you could illustrate that uh, we shouldn't hurt puppies. Um, that makes sense. It, morally, it, it, it connects but that's not my truth. How have we gotten to the place where we can discount everything? And, you know, this then takes us to my next question, which will be, and why aren't Christians pushing back on that? But how do we find ourselves in the place we're in right now? Well, uh, Jeremy, a lot of people have a confusion between facts and opinions. If, mm. if I offer an opinion that peanut butter ice cream is the tastiest, <laughs> you could say, uh, no, actually, you know, cherry pie ice cream is the tastiest. And, and we, we would just have to agree to disagree because right. I personally prefer the peanut butter ice cream. But a lot of people have started to think that even things that we used to think were facts are actually opinions. When someone says, I'm just speaking my truth, they should not be using the word truth. They should yeah. be using the yeah. word opinion. Yeah. I just speak my opinion, or I speak out of my experience. And that is completely valid to be able to do that. Our experiences help us justify our beliefs, and hopefully those beliefs are true. That's kind of how philosophers mm. look at it. But when people get confused about that and they begin using the word truth in a way it was never designed to be used, then all of a sudden people start to think, maybe I really can't know anything at all. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and I think that then feeds into you know, our sin nature of I want what I want, and if I can define it, according to what connects with me, then it's okay, and you can't say anything about that. And, and that's not new. I think sin has always been around. It's It's uh, been present since the garden. The sin nature is something we all deal with and have experienced. But Christians historically have been the salt and light that the Bible talks about, the preservatives in culture. And uh, again, I don't like to throw rocks at the church. I go to an incredible local church. There are some great churches in, in the United States and around the world uh, but it seems like as a church community or as a Christian community, we've lost our voice. And I, I don't know what has caused that. Why are Christians not now, at this critical juncture, standing up against some of the the nonsense that we're just allowing to take over our culture? You know, Jeremy, for a lot of people, being Christian means you've just signed on the dotted line. You've said some words that yeah. will somehow enable you to go to heaven and not to hell when you die. And then we're busy. We've got a lot of other things to think about. So being in church one hour a week may or may not have that much of an impact on our lives. It, George Barna's research, he's the veteran social researcher who studied the church more in depth yeah. than anyone else I know, found that only 19% of church-attending self-identified Christians have a biblical worldview. So eight out of 10 people who go to church 
are there for all, there may be there for all kinds of reasons and finding help when they're hurting is a very good reason to be there. Finding a sense of community is a very good reason to be there. But what makes it a good reason is that we go back to scripture as a special revelation from God that is about everything. Most Christians just haven't picked up that as part of the plot or they feel like they're not very skilled at saying anything about it. Uh, you know, and then of course there's the other thing, and I know you deal with us on your show all of the time. A lot of people are really afraid to say what they think in the polling. We've done at summit ministries. We've picked up on a trend where it's kind of interesting about five to 8% of people in America are just real jerks. Like 7% of Americans think the government has too little power. 7%. Uh, You know, 5% of people say they respond to conflict by cutting the other person out of my life. That's their response. Now, how is it possible that 5 to 8% of the people can just run everything? It's because of people who are afraid. I would say two-thirds of Americans are basically pretty common sense. But half of them, when we've asked them on various questions, why don't you say anything? Their response is, I don't say anything so as not to offend anyone. You know, Eric Metaxas mm. pointed out the, the quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, since a silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Uh, we, don't, we don't like to think of ourselves as being evil yeah. when we're yeah. silent, when we should say something. We like, we'd rather think of ourselves as being polite. But in a culture like ours, when you're not speaking the truth, you are, by definition, speaking lies. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. One of the, the great passages in Scripture, in my opinion, is you know from Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, to Hebrews chapter 12, 1, that says, you know, wherefore, because we're compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses, because of the people that have gone before us, and then there's a prescription, you know, run with patience, follow Jesus. Um I think sometimes we look to the Bible and we think, well, those heroes of the faith were biblical characters that are recorded for us in Scripture. But we have a, a, his, a history as a global community of Christians that have stood up and made a difference. You talked about Bonhoeffer briefly there. Um, I love that book. Um, in fact, I've had the privilege of talking to Eric Metaxas about that book a couple of times. And man, it's just fascinating. But, but so many other examples. What are some examples of people in your writings and your research um, of Christians that have confronted the world at moments of, of challenge, like the ones we're going through right now. You know, Jeremy, the whole goal of the book I've written called Truth Changes Everything is ones that most people have not heard. Yeah. Some that I hadn't 
been familiar with before I began to research the book and to try to tell them in as fascinating and compelling of a way as possible. I, I love the phrase that you gave out of Hebrews chapter 12 uh, from yep. the King James, encompassed yeah, right. about. That means surrounded. You cannot turn anywhere in this right. world without finding that our lives are somehow better because along the line there was a Jesus yep. follower who did something yeah. incredible. They didn't set out to change the world. They just set out to be the very best scientist yeah. or artist or right. educator or politician or judge that yeah. they could be, and the world changed as a result. So just take science, for example. In the area of science, Rodney Stark, who was a historian and, and sociologist at Baylor University, recently passed away, had discovered that of 52 people responsible for the founding of modern science, only one of them was an atheist. Wow. If you had been listening wow. to Stephen Hawking or Richard yeah. Dawkins, you would never have known that. But f 50, uh, of the 52, only one was an atheist. One was probably a pantheist of some sort, but 50 of them were believing Christians. Wow. Nicholas Copernicus is an interesting example. Nicholas Copernicus got into studying the solar system because as a Christian, he was interested in, re in reliably discerning the date of Easter. And of course, he then he went on to discover that the sun is at the center of the solar system and the planets revolve mm. around it. But he said, all of this work is a form of worship to the Most wow. High. Have you ever wow. thought about that before? That if you're a scientist, when you go in your lab, you may be thinking, I'm just doing experiments at time A, B, C, D, yeah. and forever yeah. and forever. Really doing something that is a form of worship to the Most High. It's not any Incredible. wonder to me that two-thirds, according to John Lennox, uh, the mathematician from Oxford University, of the people who've ever won the Nobel Prize in science claim Christian as their affiliation. And we could go on and on. I, right. There are stories from the arts, from education that are absolutely fascinating. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm happy. Yeah, we have lots of time. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story from the arts. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with uh, uh, what we call a classical music composer, Antonio Vivaldi. But let me tell you a little bit about his story. Antonio Vivaldi was a priest. In fact, his nickname was Preto Rosso. A red priest, and he was a failed priest because he was so mm. consumed with writing music that he was absent-minded about his priestly responsibilities. <laughs> and his diocese took pity on him and said he could not help uh, but not be in his right mind. He was a musician, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, <laughs> you think, all right, so you're a priest, you're, you're following God. Uh, what do you do? Well, he became a composer for an orphanage. And the orphanage building is still there wow. in Venice to this day. It's called Ospitale della Pieta. And in, in that orphanage, wow. thousands of young people found a home who would never have had a home. Uh, young ch children who were dropped off because they had a physical defect or perhaps their mother was in. They, they were raised there. At age 16, the boys could go out and seek their fortune in the world. But what about the girls? There's nothing they could do. They could never have a dowry, which means they could never be married. They had no hope and no prospects. So Vivaldi took all of these young mm. women and turned them into the finest orchestras and choirs in all of Europe. People came from all over the world to hear them perform. They traveled. And it was a, it's such a remarkable story because not only did, did Vivaldi help give these young women a future and a hope, he also became a better composer as a result. 
he had to compose more because there was so much that needed to be done to prepare mm, for all right. of these choirs and orchestras. Uh, Vivaldi composed 500 concertos that we know of. A concerto is a musical piece featuring, usually featuring one instrument, say a solo violinist, wow. but all of the musical compositions surrounding that. It's complicated to write. It would be like writing a book. And he wrote 500 of those during his career that we know of. In fact, Jeremy, at one point in his life, Vivaldi wrote a new concerto <laughs> for six over wow. the course of six years, an average of every two weeks. As a result, he became one of the two of period of music, along with Johann Sebastian Bach. And his music is still wow. best-selling on different charts 300 years after he lived. Why? Because he understood that as a Christian, he could take his art and use it in a way that served the world. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, and, and it should be encouraging. You know, I've, I've heard it described or defined the word encourage is to place courage into. And I think when we look at people like that who have come before us, who stood up, who used their God-given gifts to glorify God and to benefit man, that should be an encouragement to us. Um, how do we not only leverage those stories as your book does, but how do we then motivate Christians, and uh, this is where you focus Christian young people, to to use their voice, to lean on the lessons of those who've come before them, and to make a difference in the world? We need some difference makers in the world. How do we motivate folks to do that? Well, I, ideas have consequences, and ideas have histories. So we need to go back and understand a little of the history of ideas. I recommend to my students, the very first thing you should do is get into Scripture. And then when you, you read in Genesis, you'll read along, then you'll get into the middle of yeah. Exodus and find yourself in ceremonial mm. laws. Well, then get out a commentary and learn more about it. Don't just assume right. that you can pick a Bible verse here and there and somehow right. make a Christian right. worldview. You've got to really know Scripture. And and. And we have Scripture in our mm. own language. Just about everybody in the world has Scripture in their own language today. So that's an obvious starting point and one that's often ignored. Start with that. A second thing is you've got to understand the counterfeit worldviews. Yeah. It's not just that there is a biblical worldview that says a God exists, therefore reality is real, therefore mm, there is such it. a thing as right and wrong, yeah. and so forth. But counterfeit worldviews exist, and you've got to know something about them. If you were a clerk at a store, somebody hands you a hundred dollar reel or whether it's fake before you accept before you accept it and trade it for real goods. Uh, if you're involved in trying to catch counterfeiters, you have to know, oh, these kinds of bills were produced in such and such a way, yeah. and it might be traced back to this person or that person. So all of that work has to be done in order honest economy. In the mm. same way, uh, in the world of ideas, yeah. we have to have an honest accounting of what these ideas say. No one's neutral. No one is neutral. You know, the very definition of a religion is a set of beliefs about the cause. Everybody has that. Even people who don't think about mm. it are subconsciously saying that the questions are not important, which is a set of beliefs mm. about the cause, yep. nature, and purpose of the universe, right? So if we stop thinking, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so she's not making claims, that simply isn't the case. You've always got to be examining right. where do right. these ideas yeah, come right. from, and how do I discern not only the truth, but also the lies? Yeah, man, that's so good. Um, there's a lot more we could talk about, but where can people find your book? 
Um, and, and the other work that you've, you've done, you know, a lot of writing and speaking in that. Where can people follow you, get the new book, and uh, learn more about Summit as well? Jeremy, the, our website's really simple, summit.org, S-U-M-M-I-T, one T, summit.org. You can come there, and there are several things that you can look at. There's a press room where you can see different interviews and see some of the polls that we've done about this cultural moment. You can also see there a resource library, which is available to use for free from anybody anywhere in the world. It has articles, reviews of movies, all kinds of things that can help you understand the world from a biblical viewpoint. And then you can also find uh, find out about our programs and curriculum. You know, uh, this fall is an exciting time for us. Not only is the new book, Truth Changes Everything, being released, but we're also releasing a brand new worldview study course for small Hmm. groups in churches called Now We Live. And that is available at no charge to churches. And our our hope is that 10,000 churches will take that, put that into their small Hmm. groups, and that millions of people will be able to understand what a biblical worldview is and figure out how it applies to their lives, along with the guidance in the videos of actor Kurt Cameron, uh, John and Corey Cooper from Skillet, and lots of other thinkers and doers. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Dr. Myers, thank you so much. Really appreciate the work that you guys are doing collectively. Guys and girls, you can't say guys anymore. You have to say you folks are doing are doing collectively, uh, but also you, the work that you're doing. You, you, if you're if you're from the Midwest, you can, if you're from the Midwest, you can say you guys. From I'm the South, here in Southern California, so I've got to be y'all. very careful about what I say. You know, uh, but thank you so much. We appreciate your writing and uh, speaking and and everything else that you're involved in here. And thanks for talking to us. Jeremy, it's been a pleasure to, to join you on the show. I'd be happy to come back anytime to talk about any of the issues. I know some of these are super tough. We kind of hinted, you know, at transgender being an issue yes. uh, of the day. There's so many of these very, very difficult topics. And we're fully, uh, I want every believer to know that God's word is sharp and it is as sharp as a two-edged sword. And it is capable of cutting through the lies of today. And we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I look forward to doing this again, uh, hopefully very soon. There's a lot to talk about. And uh, such an, these, these conversations are so important if our young people going out and, and older people uh, will make the difference in the world that God's called us to. So thank you for doing it. Really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Grateful for that conversation. This is such a critical conversation to have. I mentioned this before the interview, and uh, I want to say it or emphasize it again now. We have got to understand the nature of truth, understand that truth is. Uh, This is not something we get to decide for ourselves. Truth exists. We need to align our lives to that truth. And, And one of the interesting things about truth and having a biblical worldview is that it's not only good for society, it's good for culture, it's good for the world, but it's good for us. Because as we align to truth, as we align to the biblical view of the world that God has established for us, we are then indeed living to our created purpose. And in light of all of that, living in a way that gives Him honor and glory. And that's what we've been called to. Very, very thankful for this conversation. Thankful for Summit Ministries and uh, Dr. Myers, the work that they're doing. Please check out his new book. Go to the website. So many resources that were mentioned that are available to all of us to help us think clearly on these topics so that we can then speak clearly on these topics. Really, really appreciate it. Hope this is an episode that you will share out and uh, we'll have Dr. Myers on again. But topics like this, conversations like this need to at least get you started 
to think along the right lines and uh, very glad to have this. Please, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, do so now, right now. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, whatever platform you're listening from, make sure that you are subscribed so that when new episodes come out, they are delivered to you immediately, three times a week, and uh, very grateful for that opportunity. Then take some time, go over to YouTube. You can find our channel. Search for The Situation Report. You'll see our logo. You'll find our channel. Click on that. You go to the channel. You subscribe. Then you hit that notification bell. Again, that will let you know when new content comes online. And uh, the wonderful thing about YouTube is that you can leave comments. You can share that content out. uh, Communicate with us. It's a great platform. And I'd love for you to check that out. Thank you for joining us this week. Look forward to talking to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day.
We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.